Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. 21.60 ERA, 3.00 whip, negative 13 fantasy points. That's what you received Monday if you started Luis Castillo. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, August 10th. Finally, we're all back. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and a near beardless Chris Towers. Let's talk about this for a second, Chris. What happened? Uh, it just, it, it was time to trim my beard, my face underneath. I've got a whole skincare routine, but it just wasn't getting the job done. My face underneath was getting very itchy and irritated, so... I just had to burn the whole thing down, go down to a two on the old uh, razorometer, and um, on the one on the one hand, no no hair, short beard for the first time combo. I think I look a little skinnier. Oh, like uh, you definitely look younger. Or my head just looks tiny on top. Like like remember. The character in Men in Black, the guy who runs the shop, who's yeah. like head grows back after they shoot it off. That's what I feel like I look like right now after he gets <laughs> shot. Like my voice needs to get higher and higher, higher. Yeah, like that. That, <laughs> that very timely uh, reference. Uh, you know what it reminds me of, Chris? Did any of your animals react weirdly when they saw you? Because I like watching those videos where fathers <laughs> shave their beards and then babies start crying because they can't recognize that that's their dad anymore. I my wife like- started crying. <laughs> you, you would like that, Frank. Wait, no, my, uh, that, that was a running theme in my family for like my, my wife's family. Everyone started having kids like five years ago and nobody else in the family has a beard. So every time they saw me, the, the kids, the babies, they would cry and cry and cry because they didn't understand. I mean, one, I just like who doesn't cry when they see me. But two. Oh, stop. They've never seen a person with a big fuzzy thing on their face. They yeah. don't know how to react. So uh-huh. it was a natural reaction, I think. Scott, I heard that little jab in there. Yeah. Well, it's just a funny thing to enjoy watching. <laughs> Babies cry. I, I mean, I love- it's just the whole situation, right? It's like the reason why they're crying. I don't actually just like babies crying, but they're, I mean, it's pretty but, interesting, right? That they can but, actually right. fathom that and understand, but. I love watching when babies are tasting things for the first time that they don't like. Oh, yeah. That will never not be funny. <laughs> My niece tasted tomatoes for the first time, and they took a video, and she was so upset, and it was hilarious. So I'm with you. Babies reacting to things negatively. Funny stuff. 
Today on the pod, by the way, there's only four games on Monday, so we're probably going to talk about some wacky stuff to fill some air. No, we're going to recap everything that happened. Luis Castillo, very bad. Eloy Jimenez, very good. The most added and most dropped players following waiver wire on Monday. We've got Fantasy Feud. We're going to fire that back up. Some Team Name Tuesday, and we do have some of your email questions, but let's get things started. Oh my good goodness gracious. All right, Chris. Let's do it. Oh, oh, you want me to go first? Okay, I thought, sorry, I thought I was being asked to host again. Luis Castillo, we got to talk about it. You can host. Uh, No, thank you. Uh, (laughs) On behalf of everyone involved, uh, seven hits, eight earned runs in three and a third innings for Luis Castillo. The defense behind him had some mistakes, but I don't know if he earned a, what did you say, 21.3 ERA? 21.6. But he didn't pitch well today. Seven hard hit balls, um, only six swinging strikes on 71 pitches, uh, 20 caught plus swinging strikes. That's called strikes plus called plus swinging strikes. (laughs) So, yeah, 20% on that. It was just a bad start all around. And that goes without saying when you give up eight earned runs in three and a third inning. So, I don't know. There. As with early in the season, it's not like you can point to something and say, ha, I know why Luis Castillo was bad today. He just got hit really hard on basically every pitch except the changeup. He got zero whiffs on his fastball on 33 of them between the sinker and the four-seamer. And yeah, that that's what happens. He just pitched poorly. But given how good he had been for, at this point, more than half of the season... Uh, in his most recent stretch, I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything to be concerned about. And if this hadn't come in a season where he was really bad in the month of April and May, we'd just be like, eh, it happens. Luis Castillo. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm I'm inclined to say that anyway. That yes. To put specifics on it, it was an 11-start stretch with a 195 ERA, 111 whip, 9.5K per nine. Because he entered June with an ERA over seven, and then you tack this start on at the end. His his season ERA now is four fifty three, but it's it's obviously misleading. And uh, you know, I, I think we should just start. give Castillo credit. I, I think we should stretch a, a twelve start stretch. Yeah, including yeah. this one. No, uh, well, no, I got no. It wrong. No, okay. From June first, one nine one ERA over twelve that. starts. Give the man some I credit. will have to change that in my column then because I only put 11. Yeah, that's what I have. 12 starts prior to today, 1.91 ERA, 1.12 whip, 80 strikeouts to 31 walks, over 75 and a third innings pitched during that stretch. He had a 57% ground ball rate and a 14% swinging strike rate. Those are exactly the things that we look for in a starting pitcher. Ground balls, swinging strikes. The walks are a little bit high, but they always are with Luis Castillo. I don't think there's anything to see here. I'm with you, Chris. I don't know if you guys believe in a player being due, but kind of seemed like Luis Castillo was just kind of due for one of these starts. So uh, prior start, uh, 12 starts, again, were awesome for him. And how did they do that? How, how did Cleveland do this? Who scored all these runs? Jose Ramirez went two for four with his 25th home run, and he's been running more recently as well. He's up to 13 steals on the season, only batting 257, but uh, he's. it seems like he's had some bad luck. Bad up down, expected batting, batting average is 278 for Jose Ramirez. I did want to bring up Ahmed Rosario, who seems to be hit, heating up again. Four for five with a double, a triple, and two runs scored in this game. Over his last 15 games, 
He's betting 350 with one homer, three steals, 47% rostered. He's got outfield shortstop eligibility. Scott, I know you weren't really buying in on a Meta Rosario earlier in the season. Anything to see here, maybe, in a categories league? How desperate are you for steals? That's ultimately what it comes down to. He's not going to give you a lot of them. He will give you some of them. And a pretty hollow batting average, maybe, to go with it. He should really run more, is my take. He's been so efficient this season. He's 12-0 and 0 on caught stealings. This is like the first year that he's been efficient, and partially those things are related, but give me more steal attempts, Ahmed Rosario. Let's see it. Come on. Yeah, I'm all for it too, and Cleveland is a team that likes to run, so I'm surprised he hasn't run more, but you know, when things are going well for him, he could provide some batting average, some runs scored. Those have been... Solid categories for him this season. A few other things happened in this game. Wilson Ramos has played two games for Cleveland. He has two home runs in those games. He's 8% rostered. We know who Wilson Ramos is at this point. I picked him up as a Gary Sanchez replacement in a deeper two-catcher league. So that is an option for you. Uh, And then Bradley Zimmer, who I brought up yesterday, went one for three with his fourth home run. Back-to-back days with a home run. He's batting 248 with seven steals on the season. 5% rostered. Deepest leagues. Little bit of power. Little bit of speed. Doing more than we've ever seen him do before. Again, that is Bradley Zimmer. Scott, your oh-my-goodness-gracious player from Monday. So he's still pitching right now, which you know maybe is, maybe makes him a dangerous choice, but Joe Musgrove is through four and two-thirds innings against the Marlins. Already has 21 swinging strikes in those four and two-thirds innings. And uh, his previous three starts were pretty awesome, too. So he's... After having that awesome April, he had gotten a little worse with each passing month. But now all of a sudden, he's he's looking like April Joe Musgrove again. And I was, you know, just before the start of the podcast here, early in the podcast, I was looking through his game-by-game pitch selection to see if I could really see something he's changed. I mean, it, it looks like he's 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 relied a lot more on his curveball recently, but not so much in this start. This start, it's it's been the slider that's responsible for two-thirds of those whiffs, at least if it's being tracked properly. The velocity is similar on the slider and curveball. So I, I, don't, I can't really say with confidence what's changed for Joe Musgrove. I kind of feel like, and I've said this before, because he has this six-pitch arsenal, it makes it hard to figure out what's working for you best at any one time when you have that many pitches to work with. And I, so I think he kind of gets in his own way at times, and I think that might be true for you, Darvish, at times, too. Um, but he seems to... He seems to have a good feel for everything right now. And when he does, we know Musgrove is capable of awesomeness. Those previous three starts that you mentioned, Scott, that is three straight quality starts entering tonight. And if the pitch count allows him to, I don't know where he's at. Looking a little iffy. He's at like 85 through five and a third. Yeah. 84 through five. 84 through five. He'll probably get there. Yeah. He might be able to get four straight quality starts, but in the three prior to this one, 1.42 ERA. A near fourteen percent swinging strike rate, forty-eight percent ground balls. It's he's bouncing back. A, getting through six and four straight would be a pretty big deal because his previous fifteen starts before this stretch, he only had one, two, three, four out of fifteen where he went six full innings or more, and three of them came in a row. <laughs> yeah, <So> he's. <sighs> Been sort of jaggy since the end of April overall. Obviously, I think you know his May was still very good, but um, 
you know, the, the lack of innings, the, you know, not great ERA for the most part during that stretch. It's good to see him turning things around. I I do wonder how much at Miami versus Colorado and then versus Miami in that four start helps. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Only one of those starts at Oakland was against an above average opponent. So matchups definitely could be factoring in, but a nice little bounce back here for Joe Musgrove and a nice little bounce back for Eloy Jimenez. Finally, back-to-back games. Double dong, four homers over his last two games, and he absolutely crushed a few here on Monday. I believe one of them went over 450 feet for Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, 454 feet, 109.8 miles per hour off the bat. Entering Monday, it's only been like nine games for him, but he did have a 58% ground ball rate, which hampers Eloy Jimenez at times. Uh, The expected numbers... They look pretty good, but it's just not enough. It's 24 batted balls, so it's a really small sample size, but nice to see from Eloy Jimenez finally bouncing back. I need to do a massive rankings update because I've been out for, I don't know how long, 10 days. I haven't updated my rankings, but Scott, I saw that you moved Eloy inside of your top 20, and I think rightfully so. Why not? not? Yeah, Yeah. I think that makes sense. It's been a pretty mad position. That's where we were drafting him. Yeah, the, the position looks as weak as it ever has. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I did it before the back-to-back two-homer games, but certainly now that there's been back-to-back two-homer games, I, I don't really see the justification not to do it. Sure. Eloy I, or Luis Robert in Roto? I'll, I'll still go with Eloy for now. I don't know that the White Sox are going to let Luis Robert kind of go all out here. He had a hip injury, so if he's not running... Don't really know how much he's going to provide. Lower batting average, some pop. But I do worry that he's not going to run as much since he's coming off this hip injury. By the way, with Robert coming back, Gavin Sheets got sent down. No great loss. I mean, he'd only been playing part-time anyway. But also, Andrew Vaughn was out of the lineup here on Monday, which was interesting because I saw Tony La Russa, a quote from him earlier, where he was talking about how improved Andrew Vaughn was as an outfielder and how much he liked him in the outfield, like as a defender, and uh, how he regretted taking him out early in <laughs> how he regretted taking him out for defensive purposes early in the season. And so, of course, the first chance he gets <laughs> to start Vaughn alongside Robert and Jimenez, he chooses not to. I mean, I don't know. I'm not Tony Larusa. Vaughn and Jimenez in the same outfield is not viable. You cannot do that. There's just no way that's going to be playable. Well, I mean, I do think he was exaggerating how good Vaughn has become as a defender, but his defensive war isn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, Eloy was at DH on Monday, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah. They could have. One of them could play DH, certainly. It's not like they have a full-time DH or two first basemen, unless you count Andrew Vaughn. Interesting. Yeah, we'll pay attention, but uh, it seems like probably just a random day off for Andrew Vaughn. He's been so good, so I don't think that they want to keep him out of the lineup for any extended period of time. Before we hit the news and notes, we'd like to welcome another fantasy football podcast to the CBS Sports family. Fantasy Football Today DFS. Get ready to dominate daily fantasy this year with optimized lineups, stacks, perceived ownership, leverage plays, and more. Join hey, Mike. Frank. Yeah, what's Who's up? Who's hosting that? Well, I was just going to let you know. Mike McClure, Sia Najad, and me. 
Frank Stanfield, two times per week in the FFT DFS feed. The first episode drops on Tuesday. When you are listening to this, it'll come out later in the afternoon. Throughout August, we're going to spend a lot of time on strategy for DFS and preseason slates, and it's going to be a ton of fun. You can download and follow the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to Fantasy Football Today or Fantasy Baseball Today. The news and notes, Fernando Tatis hit on the field Monday. He is back on the IL, which I'm sure you guys covered while his way, with that same shoulder injury, and we'll see if he can return, but apparently Kevin Acey uh, at some point tweeted that Tatis will have shoulder surgery when the season is over. I don't think I'm breaking any news. It's something, again, that you guys probably talked about, but the rehab time for that injury, for that surgery, rather, is six months, so... It could looks be like quite. It could looks be. Like we're rooting against the White Sox in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it could be pretty worrisome for next season drafting Tatis. I mean, if he has that in October, I mean, if they make a deep run, it, it could be November, and then what are we looking at? May for him to be back to full strength, and then who knows? Because look at Cody Bellinger this year. I mean, it's it's been awful. So, uh, one thing I will add is he also uh, did outfield work today. And it does sound like he's going to return as an outfielder. And I wonder, you know, once he has that shoulder surgery, whether they might consider moving him to the outfield full time. I don't know if that's been discussed. I know it's been discussed that he's probably going to play outfield for the rest of the season, which is good for his value, both this year and next, getting dual eligibility at shortstop and outfield. You might actually play him at outfield, given how relatively weak that position has been. But you know, if you're talking from a dynasty perspective, if 2023 and beyond, he's no longer shortstop eligible, that, you know, could make a minor difference in his value. He's still, I mean, if he keeps being a 50-50 guy like he was on pace for today, this season or 50-40, whatever it is, it's not going to matter. You would play him at any position. He would be a top two pick if he was DH only, if he did that. But it's just worth keeping in mind. Yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens with Fernando Tatis. Byron Buxton fielded fly balls, hit, and ran the bases on Monday. He's been out with a broken hand since late June. Could definitely use Byron Buxton back again. Outfield has been pretty bad. Justin Turner will be out a few days, and then the Dodgers will reevaluate him then. He's dealing with a slight groin injury. They haven't played yet, so if you want to and still can get Justin Turner out of your lineup, Probably something you should do. Both Clayton Kershaw and Danny Duffy were shifted to the 60-day IL for the Dodgers. Kershaw is first eligible September 5th, while Duffy is first eligible September 15th. And I had someone email in today and ask if they should drop Clayton Kershaw because their playoffs start the first week of September. If anybody else is in a similar situation right now, would you be looking to drop Clayton Kershaw? Because just because he's eligible first week of September... I don't know if that's when he's actually going to be back. Yeah, it's impossible to know that, but it's plausible he could be back that early. Like, I don't know how tight your rosters are. I don't know how many IL spots you have. If I'm playoff bound, though, I'm trying to hold on to Kershaw because he's going to be an asset if he does get back and he is fully stretched out. I mean, obviously he can start rehabbing before, uh, before he's eligible to come off the IL. And, and be ready to go be full strength then. But, you know, I, I don't know that, that it's going to play out that way, but it, it hasn't been ruled out. 
Josh Donaldson was out again with that hamstring injury and has now missed nine of the last 11 games for the Minnesota Twins. Luis Robert, we mentioned, made his return. He went two for five with a double and an RBI. As a result, Gavin Sheets was sent to the minors. Kwang Hyun Kim was placed on the IL with left elbow inflammation retroactive to August 8th. He struggled over his last two starts. Perhaps that's the reason why. Bobby Bradley went to the IL with a sore left knee. Pablo Lopez will throw a 30-pitch bullpen on Tuesday. He's on the IL right now with a right rotator cuff strain. And Jazz Chisholm went to the IL after being scratched Sunday with flu-like symptoms. And I believe he went to the COVID IL last week for a day as part of contact tracing. So, he, he, No, I think it was also a, a symptoms thing. Yeah, with him. I think he tested negative after having some symptoms. Yeah. All right. Well, hope everything's all right there with Jazz Chisholm. We did have a Yankees news dump on Monday. Glaber Torres went on the aisle with that thumb sprain and is expected to miss 10 to 20 days. So longer than the minimum here for Glaber. Gio Urshela suffered a setback with his hamstring and will not return this week. Luis Severino will make another rehab start on Friday and could return after that one. He went four innings on Sunday. Uh, in his rehab outing, he had five strikeouts. He's 72% rostered. Is it time to make Luis Severino a must-add if he's available? Yeah, yeah, he'd be a top 50 pitcher at least. Top 50 starter at least as soon as he's back. Probably higher. Corey Kluber will make a rehab start at AA on Thursday. He is 59% rostered. How would you guys rank Severino, Kluber, and Waskari Noah, who is currently rehabbing for the Braves? You just did, Frank. Ooh, all righty. You just did. I might have, you know, a higher than Kluber, actually. Oh, Kluber was looking so good before he got hurt. So good. Yeah, Chris. It out. Did you forget that no-hitter? <laughs> that did happen. Back when everybody was throwing a no-hitter. By the way, where, Frank, I assume you haven't updated it yet, but Scott, where do you have Chris Sale ranked? That's starting pitcher. In the top 30. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I think I moved him up to 40 before I left, and now that he's starting on Saturday, I'll probably move him up again. I will move him up again. That makes sense. DJ LeMahieu was dropped to fifth in the lineup with, uh, wait for it, Brett Gardner leading off for the Yankees. Yikes. Uh, some prospect updates. Vidal Brujan in 13 games since getting sent down by the Tampa Bay Rays. He's batting 396 with nine stolen bases, no home runs. Notable double dongs from Big-name prospects in the minors this weekend. Pirates second baseman Nick Gonzalez, Red Sox second baseman Nick York, Mets catcher Francisco Alvarez, and the Royals-promoted catcher MJ Melendez to AAA. He was batting 285 with 28 homers and a 999 OPS at AA. Scott, I know Melendez is someone that you've wrote about a few times in your prospect mm -hmm. report. I kind of just wonder, what's the... What's the long-term plan here? Because, I mean, the way that Salvador Perez is playing, he shows yeah. no signs of slowing down unless maybe they just transition him into DH, first base. I mean, he's just such an Ironman, a catcher. I don't know that they would actually do that, so I'm wondering what they do here. Yeah, I mean, they don't need to have a solution yet. MJ Melendez isn't ready yet. He just got promoted to AAA. He'd, he'd be young debuting as a catcher even if it was next year, you know? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, last I looked, he was leading the minors in home runs, but that was a week ago. So uh, that shows you the kind of season he's having for a catcher to be leading all the minors in home runs while playing at the upper levels. Pretty impressive. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously Salvador Perez is still playing great now. He's over 30. He has a lot of mileage on him. Catchers tend not to age well. 
I know he's locked up for a few more years, so the Royals have every incentive to keep playing him, but there's no guarantee he continues to perform at a high level for the duration of his contract. And and that would make the path for Melendez pretty obvious. Otherwise, potentially trade bait, potentially a situation where they're splitting time at that position in a DH. And there's a lot of things that could happen. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, there's a few players that if they wore a different uniform, it would just feel weird. Salvador Perez is one of those players. It was Madison Bumgarner for a long time. It was like, wow, seeing him in a non-Giants uniform was definitely weird. Salvador Perez is, is one of those players for me. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we've got Fantasy Feud, most added, most dropped. We'll recap the rest of Monday's action. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right. Let's fire it up. Fantasy Feud. Who won last time? I think it was Chris. It was was, Chris. It was your boy, Chris. All right. We have the defending champ in the building. Overcoming great odds. Are you gentlemen ready? (sighs) Can we just say our name, right? Just say your name. To so buzz if, I in. Say, if I say Scott's name, does he have to answer? Like if I'm really not confident <laughs> about an answer? If you say Scott's name, you have to answer, Chris. <sighs> any any intentional noise you make. That seems unfair. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> All right, let's welcome to the building Chris Towers and Scott White. Woo! I only have three questions here, so make them count. Are you ready? Oh, I should have done more, Frank. We got all this time. I know. I should have. I was really struggling. I'm just like, everything I looked up, nothing was really interesting to me, so... I only got three. Sorry, guys. Fast, could have done like a fast money round, you know? That's, that's always the best part of it. Well, Chris hosted last week. Maybe next week we could have Scott White host the podcast. Eh. That makes sense. Eh. Nah. All right. The top seven shortstops in Roto this season. Go. Christopher Towers. Chris? That wasn't my answer. That was me buzzing in. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I'm going stalling. to say Fernando Tatis. <sighs> A ding, ding, ding. That is the number one answer. Would you like to pass or play? So the way it works is you have to get all of them, right? Yes. No. If you, if you leave any over, then I have a chance to steal. Yes. Okay. But you don't have to get all of them. And if I, I got one chance to steal. I will play. Woo! I have three strikes, right? For what it's worth, I think the smart money is always to play, Chris. But All right. All right. Let's see. Let's see here. I wouldn't call myself a game show savant by any means. I am going to guess Trey Turner. Trey Turner is fourth on the list. You are correct. 
You have the number one and number four answers. I am going to guess Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette is number two, one, two, and four of the top seven. I am going to guess. Hmm. What you looking at there, Chris? Feels a little, just a list of team names. You're allowed just to a list of team names. That's <laughs> all it is. I can share my screen if you don't believe me. But if I was cheating, I would be doing better than I am. That is true. Um, you have Javier Baez. Javier Baez is not one of the top uh, seven shortstops. I believe he's eighth. Man, that is your first um, buzzer. Oh, uh. Marcus Simeon. Marcus is Simeon is shortstop eligible, and he's the number three shortstop this season. Fernando Tatis, Bo Bichette, Marcus Simeon, and Trey Turner are the top four answers on Oof. the board. You have three more to get with two buzzers. Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts is not on the list. So I got one strike mm, left, and if I, don't, and if I get it wrong, Scott can steal it? You have one strike left before Scott can steal it. No. He just needs to get one to steal, right? Have you ever seen Family Feud before? No. <laughs> I've only played it on this podcast. <laughs> You've really never watched it? That is 100% of my exposure to the feud. <laughs> All right. Big fan of the feud back in the day. God, this is, this is a dumb answer, and I'm going to regret it. But actually, yeah, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor is... Fifth on the list. He is number five. You got it. Two more. Sweating, sweating. I think he missed too much time. So I will go with Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is not on the list. Oh, come and on. Throw up another X on the screen. So the top five answers, Tatis, Bichette, Semyon, Turner, and Chris Taylor. Those are five of the top seven shortstops in Roto. Scott, you are ready to steal. I think so. I think I got a right answer here. You ready? I'm ready. Jorge Polanco. Jorge um, Polanco is correct. Yeah. The steal for Scotty Dubs. Number is six. The, on, is the last one Brandon Crawford? That was going to be my other guess. It's not, right? It was Brandon Crawford. Oh, I'm an idiot. I never <laughs> would have gotten the last one, though. Uh, so if it makes you feel better, Scott would have stolen it no matter what. But Which yeah. Seems, seems like a dumb scoring system. The top seven. Again, Tatis, Bichette, Semyon, <laughs> Turner, Chris Taylor, Jorge Polanco, who's just having a fantastic season. Brandon Crawford as well, who, despite missing time on the IL, is seventh in Roto. But it was just really odd to me that Xander Bogarts is not inside the top seven anymore at shortstop in, in Roto this yep. season. And, and since July 1st, 29 games, he's batting 231 with three homers and a 689 OPS. Any concern for Xander Bogarts? I think this is just kind of inevitable course correction. He was batting 350 for much of the year. I'm sure he was I'm sure he was in the top seven shortstops when that was happening. Yeah, I oh, mean he's yeah. he's got an eight seven eight eighty OPS. He's hitting three hundred. The run production numbers are curiously low for Xander Bogarts. That's the one thing that does stand out. And you know, in terms of home runs, that has this has been his worst season. Um since 2018, or at least it's pacing to be his worst season since 2018. He's only on pace for about 24. But like he's basically having an identical season to 2020 in terms of his triple slash. Like literally could not be closer. He's within seven points on all three of them. The problem is last year he had eight home runs and 11, eight 
doubles and 11 home runs. This year, he has 30 doubles, which leads the, the AL, but only 16 home runs, which in a points league is no worry, but in a, a Roto league, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you a little bit. Yeah, I noticed that his line drive rate has dropped about seven percentage points from the first three months of the season to the last, I guess, five weeks or so of the season. He had a really good Babbitt luck early on, and it seems like he's just having some bad Babbitt luck now. So the pendulum has swung the other way, but I still would not be worried about Xander Bogarts. I just, I found it pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. Next up, are you ready? Maybe. There are that worked t- out well for me. I only had to give one answer. It's really, it's really a dumb game. <laughs> there are 10 starting pitchers with 15-plus quality starts this season. Scott? Uh, Scotty? 15-plus? That's a lot. Um, Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole is not one of the 10 starting pitchers. Wow. Uh, so if Zach Wheeler. Zach oh, Wheeler is... Third on the list. Chris, would you like to pass or play? Only third. Only I got past this one. If this oh. guy, if this guy got the first question wrong when he's got the whole board available, I gotta pass. All right. I was starting at the top of the rankings to anyway. Um, yeah. So Walker Texas Bueller. Walker Bueller is number one in baseball in quality starts this season. He has 20 of them. It's a lot of quality starts for our guy Walker, which is just insane. Shout out to Walker Bueller. Shout out indeed. Well, now then, next answer should be a little trickier. I'm going to say Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff is fourth in baseball in quality starts this season. All right. The number one, three, and four answers are off the board. Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman is. Correct. He is number nine of the top 10 in quality starts this season. We're doing 10? Wow. Yeah. Going to be here all day. All day. Um, okay. Continuing. I will say... Oh, I don't think that's right. I'm going to say Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks is second in baseball with 17 quality starts this season to only wow. Walker Bueller. The number one, two, three, four, and nine answers are off the board. Look at look at our guy Kyle. Everyone wrote him off at the start of the season. You Darvish. You Darvish is not one really? of the ten. Well, take him off my list then. Hmm. He only has eleven hmm. quality starts this season. Hmm. hmm. Did not see that coming. Did not see ooh. Ooh, hmm. Should I go with that answer already? I think I'm going to. I'm going to say Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya is not one of the That's got to be three strikes, right? No, it's just two. That's two. It seemed like three. Just two. (laughs) Doing better than you think. uh, Sean Manaya has 12 quality starts this season. Uh, I was on a roll. You're four for six. It's all falling apart. Oh, oh, oh. Sandy Alcantara. Sandy Sandy Alcantara is on the list. He has 15 quality starts on the nose. Yes, of course he does. <laughs> I knew it all along. There My are... next answer is going to be the most impressive of all. <laughs> because I am going to say Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn is... 
not on the board. He has 12 quality starts this season. He did have an IL stint earlier in the year. There was some shorties in there for Lance Lynn. Yeah, when he first came back, they were kind of limiting him a little bit. All right, Chris, you are up with the steal opportunity. There are four names left on the board. He said Max Scherzer, right? I just wanted that's. I just want to confirm. Did he say Max Scherzer? He did not say Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. All right, Max Scherzer for the steal. And yes. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's over. Scotty Corbin Dubs. Burns. Whoop. We could play the third round anyway. But can I do a cup? I'm Cor- Corbin Burns. Gotta nope. be on there, right? Scherzer nope. only had twelve. Burns only has twelve. Julio Arias. Julio Arias only has Give me 10. My dark. Really? Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright. That's Ooh. a good guess. He has 14. He, oh, is, he is not I, one of the 10. I, I wondered about Herman Marquez. Herman Marquez is on the list. The other names oh, yeah. that you guys are mi- uh, missing, Robbie Ray, Chris Bassett, and Kyle Gibson. I knew there was another A's guy. I just couldn't remember. I wasn't going to get those guys. I'm sorry. Herman Marquez was the one that I did want to highlight of this group. He is one of three qualified starting pitchers this season with a 50-plus percent ground ball rate and a 14-plus percent swinging strike rate. Just an awesome season for Herman Marquez. So He's really good. Really, really good. All right. We'll do the last one anyway, even though your champion. Wild, though. He has 14 home starts and nine road starts. Herman Marquez does. What are those splits He's look like? Been, he has a 305 ERA at home and a 4 ERA on the road, which is the opposite of how things have been for him in his career. So weird. It just seems from year to year, those can change so drastically. It seems like that's been the case for John Gray. One year he's good at home, the next year he's not. It's, it's just a weird place to pitch, man, and, and it messes you up. All right, last question here. Seven qualified hitters have an OPS over 1,100 since the All-Star break. Um, Scott. <laughs> Scott, you're up. Uh, uh, yeah, qualified hitters, OPS over 1,100. Um, Just think about who's hot. I know. It's um, Joey Votto. Joey Votto is second on the list. Chris, you have an opportunity to guess one better. Guess one better. Okay, so if I get first place. Then you get to choose if you want to pass or play. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. George Springer. George Springer is... Third on the list. Oh, <laughs> uh, Scott, you have the opportunity here. Well, you decide, pass or play, but two of these seven have already been revealed. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I got it clenched anyway. Let's play. It's All right. more fun to play. Seven qualified Let's hitters play. have an OPS over 1,100 since the All-Star break. Vada was number two. Springer was number three. Uh-huh. <laughs> not so not so confident. No, not so easy here. Um I feel like the CJ Crone. CJ Crone is incorrect. Okay. All right. Well, how about our boy Freddie Freeman? Freddie Freeman is incorrect. Come on. Two strikes. Come on, man. Well, when you put it that way. The only remaining answer. Somebody just had a huge week, and I can't remember who. I don't think he would qualify. Okay, I'm going to say I don't think he would qualify. Freddie Freeman, by the way, does have an OPS over 1,000 since the Elsa break. Yes, I wasn't far off. 
And Chris already said George Springer. So I'm going to say, oh, come on, man. I can't think of a good answer. Five seconds. Four, three, two, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is incorrect, Chris. Yeah, probably doesn't qualify, right? Probably not. To not get shut out today, Chris, you have the opportunity to steal. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is number one on the list. Look at this guy, Bryce Harper. 1256 OPS since the All-Star break. He's got a 22% walk rate, a 14.7% strikeout rate. He's betting 370 with a 740 slug. Bryce Harper is in uh, Fuego. The other name feels tainted. <laughs> I thought I like Bryce Harper was a name I thought of too, but then I blanked. Yeah. Springer and Harper were my top two. Did we say the other ones on the list? No, I was going to reveal them right now. Harper was number one, Votto two, Springer three, Juan Soto was four. By the way, Juan Soto for... I thought of him, but I just didn't think he'd qualify. Yeah, he does. And I, for everyone who was kind of poo-pooing Juan Soto, he had that, you know, rough start to the season. He is now inside the top five among outfielders. He, like He nothing, leads the majors in OBP. Like nothing ever happened. Randy Rosarena is also <laughs> on this list. Starling Marte. Oh who's been awesome with Oakland. Yeah. And yeah, then the last name, the one I wanted to highlight, was Rafael Ortega with the Chicago yeah. Cubs, who mm. in the second half is batting 394, four homers, four steals, a 42% line drive rate. He's leading off consistently for a pretty bad Cubs lineup at this point, but he's only 40% rostered. One of the most added hitters from the weekend, Rafael Ortega. Any interest there? A little bit of power, a little bit of speed, hitting a lot of line drives. Yeah, he had that three-homer game, and you know, it's, it's not like that's all he's done. He's been fairly productive since then. You know, 29 or 30-year-old, actually, who's mostly languished in the minors, and it's not like his numbers will bowl you over what he was putting up there. You know, it's not like a... Your mean Mercedes numbers, for instance, were more impressive in the minors, but Ortega showed some pop in the minors. I, you know, I, I could see taking a chance on him in a really deep roto league, but I, I don't actually think there's much here. Yeah, he showed consistent batting average skills and speed uh, through most of his 20s, but he did not have, gosh, he did not have double-digit double homers until 2019 when he was a 28-year-old yeah. at AAA. But and he had 21. It was there does not just seem, double digit. Right. Yeah. And there does seem to be some kind of jump or improvement in skill set because he went from two in the PCL in 2018 in 92 games to 21 in 2019. He's got 10 so far in 72 games this season. So I don't know. There's there's not nothing there, I think. You know, it could be a, a bit of a late bloom kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, five outfielder roto leagues. Someone that can offer power and speed. It's if you're struggling there, forty percent rostered, he might be available. So thought he was an interesting name. I was very surprised to see him rank that highly. All right, your champion again is Scott White. We're gonna have to play one more fantasy feud before football season starts up, so we can settle this a rubber match between the two of you here. The most added and dropped hitters from the weekend. I mentioned that Rafael Ortega was third on that list. Joe Adele is up to 61% rostered. He was the most added hitter this weekend. Abraham Toro Hernandez with the Seattle Mariners. He's up to 55%. Kyle Farmer, 51%. Elias Diaz, 29%. Brandon Belt is up to 37%. Carter Keboom, remember the name? Interesting, 26%. And then Mike Moustakis, 79%. Uh, if you guys needed a Anthony Rizzo replacement, 
who would you prefer between Brandon Belt or Miguel Sano, who hit his 19th home run of the season on Monday? And over his last 15 games, he's batting 254, four homers. He's been okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather go with Belt. I think I'd so. rather go with Belt. I, I do think he's not going to play against left-handers that much because of how good Darren Ruff has been. But two years in a row now is just... It, it seems like Oracle Park is is playing much better yeah. for hitters than than before. And they did change their dimensions prior to the 2020 season. Um, and, and Belt's been one of the biggest beneficiaries. That that venue always held him back, prevented him from becoming the superstar he might have been anywhere else. Uh, but now, his two years in a row, his numbers are amazing there, and, and his overall numbers are amazing too. So, yeah. uh, been hurt a lot this year, but came back strong this weekend, and I think we need to pick him up. One thing I do want to point out regarding one of the players we talked about earlier, Obviously, the sample size for Joe Adele is very small. We're only talking about 25 plate appearances, five strikeouts and 25 plate appearances. And that's a 20% strikeout rate. If he does that, he's probably a star. <laughs> um, but obviously, if he had one more strikeout, his strikeout rate would be 30%. So, you know, maybe, uh, the number's not right on that. I don't know what it actually is. <laughs> yeah, 24. That didn't, that didn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> um, two more strikeouts. Now two more strikeouts, and he would be in 28% or something. So, too early to say on that, but at the pitch level where he's seen, I don't know, probably 70-something pitches, maybe more, 103 pitches. There you go. So slightly smaller or larger sample size. Only an 8.7% swing strike rate, and that was 19.9% last season. Obviously, sample size is what it is, but overall contact rate, 83% compared to 61% last season. He is... Last season, he could not make contact on pitches in the strike zone or out. He was a 67% zone contact percentage this year, 94%. So, again, very, very early, but the contact issues have not been as dire as they were last year. In fact, his contact numbers have been pretty incredible, and he's hitting the ball well, four doubles in five games, so or six games. So, very good early returns for Joe Adele. Scott, anything to see with Carter Keboom, his last 11 games with the Nationals, 316 batting average, two home runs? I don't think so. He wasn't tearing it up in the minors. He's not making especially hard contact or elevating especially well. I mean, you always got to keep an eye on the guy who was a former top prospect and still young, obviously. Still so young. He's only 23. But um, I'm not. I'm not ready to say that anything's changed for him yet. Yeah, during that stretch, a 52% ground ball rate. His exit velocity is awful. It's like 85 miles per hour. So, name to watch, still young, but I'm not seeing anything yet in the numbers with Carter Keboom. The most dropped hitters from this weekend, Dalton Varsho, he has just one hit in his last four games. Harrison Bader has just six hits in his last 10 games. Luis Arias has started just two of his last six games. J.D. Davis has started just two of his last five games. And Jaron Duran, who was on the COVID IL this weekend, he did return Sunday, played against a lefty. Varsho, Bader, Arias, J.D. Davis, Jaron Duran. Anyone there that should not be dropped? I'm not ready to drop Bader. You know, obviously, I may have over-touted him when his strikeout rate was, uh, what was it, like 16% there for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's fallen on hard times since then. Uh, but, you know, the overall numbers still look very good, and um, I add him as my top sleeper hitter for this week because of the Cardinals matchups. So it'll be it'll be good to see how how that goes. 
if, if it doesn't pan out, then maybe I move on. But I'm not ready to move on yet. This guy who can contribute to all five categories, or at least four, the batting average is the biggest question, and that's dependent on the strikeout rate. I also think it's premature to drop Varsho, just because obviously not playing him in the outfield, you're playing him a catcher. Um, but he's getting an honest chance now and uh, got hot there for a little while. The most added and dropped hitters from this weekend. Most added will start Luis Heal up to 41%. Cal Quantrill, 56%. Jonathan Loisega, 42%. More on the Yankees bullpen in just a little bit. That game is a train wreck. Dylan Floro, 26%. Uh, Logan Webb up to 67 Luis Patino up to 62 And Josiah Gray is now up to 69%. Just quickly touch on Luis Patino. Is this only because he lines up for two starts at Boston, at Minnesota? He's been pretty inconsistent and actually quite bad outside of that one start against the Yankees. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, he, I think he had pretty good projected numbers for this week in the CBS system. So that might explain why as well. But yeah, I mean, he's got pretty good control, pretty good strikeout rate. And he's one of the most extreme fly ball pitchers in baseball so far this season. It's a 36 inning sample size. So can't take too much away from it. But like he's got, he's at 1.5 home runs per nine, which is pretty bad and that's with an 11 a 10.7 percent home run to fly ball rate which is actually below average so uh he is very much earning the you know 442 era he's got i think there are definitely things you can look at and say i can see this guy getting to the point where you know he is a must-start fantasy pitcher but right now i don't think he's there I wouldn't wanted to wouldn't have wanted to start him in a roto league in you know in this week. I'm not sure Scott we even really talked about him in the two start pitcher preview. He was pretty No, well we did. We did. He was in my 10 sleeper pitchers and not that I was super enthusiastic about him. It's just yeah, somebody's got to be in the 10 sleeper pitchers and among the two start options that were available, he at least shows some upside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I I think the two start status had a lot to do with him getting picked up now. When, you know, it might have made more sense. The enthusiasm might have made more sense after that Yankees start when he looked so good. One thing he does have going for him, I will say, is 54% fly ball rate. That's very, very high. But 14% infield fly ball rate. So, you know, all of those fly balls, a lot of them have been relatively harmless. So if you're going to be a high fly ball rate guy, you know, that's one way that Marco Estrada, the most cited pitcher in fantasy baseball his, today history. Um, that's one way he got away with that. The most dropped pitchers from this weekend, Michael Waka, Tyler McGill, Heath Hembry, Brad Hand, and Andrew Heaney. Some leftovers from Monday. We will get into this Yankee game, but Luke Voigt, a little bit of a revenge tour here. He's currently two for five. Game is still going. He hit a go-ahead solo home run in the ninth inning. He's getting the opportunity to play with Anthony Rizzo on the IL with COVID. The pitcher who started the opposite of Luke Voigt in that game was Carlos Hernandez, who was actually pretty good. Six and two thirds, five hits, one run, only three strikeouts. But over his last three starts, two earned runs, 17.2 innings pitched, uh, only 13 strikeouts. He's interesting. He's 17% rostered. He throws hard. He has two different fastballs. He has a few breaking pitches that he uses. Any interest, Carlos Hernandez? He throws very hard, like he averages more than 97 on his fastball. But 
I, I, the minor league numbers aren't good. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get a lot of whiffs. I'm just, you know, three good three good starts in a row. And so maybe there's something there, but I, I don't, in the normal ways I evaluate pitchers, I don't see it. On the other side, starting for the Yankees, Jamison Tyone at the Royals, six plus innings, four hits, one run, four strikeouts. Now has a quality start in five of his last seven starts, a 1.46 ERA during that span. 39 strikeouts, over 43 and a third innings pitched. Chris, I know that you've been not a believer in Jamison Tyone, and he gives up a lot of fly balls. He doesn't get a ton of swinging strikes, so I understand why, but quality starts in five of his last seven now. Are you starting to buy in? It's just hard to make sense of it because like, even today, you look at it, and um, he gave up... Six hard hit balls, which in a six inning start, that's not terrible, but it's not great. Average exit velocity was 88.1 miles per hour. Again, not great, not terrible. Eight swinging strikes, a 23% called strike plus whiff rate. I got it right that time. And so all of the component parts of what he did tonight, just like all the component parts of what he's done during this stretch have just been, yeah, and so I'm not sure exactly what to make of it. He's definitely been better than I expected, and I'm feeling a little dumb, but <laughs> I, I'm still very skeptical. He's not, he's not doing anything to impress me. I'm a little more hopeful than it sounds like Chris is, but I wouldn't say I'm trusting in it. I mean, it goes against, you know, like I said, for Carlos Hernandez, the normal ways I would evaluate a pitcher <laughs> Mm-hmm. Jamison Tyone doesn't come out favorably. And yet, just because of his history, his backstory, his pedigree going way back when, I'm I'm I don't know. I I, I could kind of see I could kind of see how maybe he's putting like what I want to see more of is what happened last start, right? He got 18 swinging strikes in his last start. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's pulling it all together. But he didn't follow up with anywhere close to that in this start. So it's like, is this going to be another Taiwan Walker situation where it just blows up in our faces after we get comfortable? And I'm, I'm probably yes, probably yes, but we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for now. Yeah. Like the league average ERA is four two six this season. I would take the under on that for sure. Um, so I, I think he'll be a slightly above average pitcher, but I think the most likely outcome rest of the season is he's, pretty jaggy for fantasy purposes. Um, you know, like a 3-9 here. The last pitcher I wanted to highlight, and it's a little late to do so, but he was great. Luke, Lucas Chilito at the Minnesota Twins. Eight innings, one run, zero walks to eight strikeouts. That is the key for Chilito, keeping those walks down. The ERA down to 3.81. I would have to compare to other starting pitchers' game log on the season, but it just seems like Chilito gets blown up more than other supposed aces, I guess you could say. He has six starts with four-plus earned runs this season, so we'll have to look I mean, at he, others. He must to have an ERA near four because yeah, he also yeah. has plenty of starts like the one he had tonight where he looks like one of the best pitchers in baseball. So very, uh, very, you know, kind of a bipolar uh, season that Lucas Giolito is having here. And, um, you know, at least he's giving you a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, the... The XERA is now down under 3-2. 
And for his career, he generally, like last season, he did underperform his XERA, but the year before he didn't. So I don't know if you can necessarily say he's likely to underperform his XERA moving forward. So when, you know, that kind of stat and, you know, FIP and XFIP are also a little better than his overall numbers, I'm generally willing to say that he's likely going to be probably significantly better than his overall numbers so far suggest. Joe Musgrove, by the way, did complete that quality start. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts. He finishes with 21 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. 14 of those came on the slider. So now four straight quality starts for Musgrove. The matchups have been very good. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates. Let me see if I can figure all of this out that's going on right now. So for the Yankees, Jonathan Loisega came in in the seventh inning with a runner on base. He inherited that runner from Jamison Tyone. He allowed that runner to score. It tied the game. He opened the eighth inning. He allowed two runners to reach. Chad Green came in to inherited runners, gave up a run. Tie game again. Zach Britton comes in in the ninth. He's got a one-run lead. Luke Voigt hit a home run. He blows the game. He gives up a run. They are currently in the top of the 11th. The Yankees have scored three runs. It is eight to five. Oh, by the way, Clay Holmes. Yep, that's the guy. He gave up a run in the bottom of the 10th to keep this game going. So it's just been one blown save after another another right now for the Yankees. I don't know if we're anywhere close to figuring out who the closer is because <laughs> yesterday we said it was Loisaga. Today it looked like it was going to be Britain. Any feedback on the Yankees' bullpen? Mess. Well, the fact Britain blew his save chance, I think, makes it likely they'll go to somebody else. It doesn't mean they won't go to Britain next time. But I, I think Luizaga, Chad Green, and Zach Britton, they might each get a save chance or two, and then Aroldis Chapman is back. So I, I don't know that I'd want to invest a lot in any of them, really. I'm a little surprised Chad Green hasn't gotten an opportunity, um, but he has allowed a run in five of his last ten appearances. So you know that, I'm sure, plays into it. Uh, into the thinking as well. Yeah, his ERA is 3.16, but just watching a lot of their games, he seems a lot worse than that. He he really kind of falters in big spots, Chad Green does. For the Cincinnati Reds, Lucas Sims made his return. He pitched in the eighth inning of a blowout, for whatever that's worth. And then the Royals, Scott Barlow, came in in the eighth inning in a jam. He got out of it. Then Richard Lovelady gave up a couple of runs. Greg Holland just blew the game in the 11th inning, so... The usual. Uh, Scott Barlow is actually good, but he was used in the biggest jam of the game. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Tuesday. Jay Happ at the Pirates. Tristan McKenzie versus the A's. Luis Patino at the Red Sox. Nestor Cortez at the Royals. Daniel Lynch versus the Yankees. And Ross Stripling at the Angels. I think McKenzie's my favorite. I don't love any of them, but I could see McKenzie, Cortez, and Stripling uh, all having good starts. Yeah, I, I I think yesterday I said Stripling, Lynch, and Patino. So at least we have some intersection there with Stripling, at least. There you go. That's the one you want. Stripling at the Angels for <laughs> Wednesday. Ryan Weathers, who, by the way, has had great matchups recently and just continues to get destroyed. Ryan Weathers versus the Marlins. Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight, versus the Tigers. Cal Quantrill versus the A's. Joe Ross at the Mets. Merrill Kelly at the Giants. And Tyler Anderson Versus the Rangers, not the Mariners, because he is on the Mariners. And by the way, the Orioles have a reliever now. I forget what his first name is, but it starts with D, and his last name is Knight. Like, 
K-N-I-G-H-T. So uh, there was a box score from last week where Matt Harvey started the game and D Knight finished it. And it was just it was just uh, you know, it was kind of a twist in my mind up. But like that's awesome. He should be two face. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense that Matt Harvey, like his name's not Bruce Wayne. He's not the Dark Knight. He pitched in New York. Great. Harvey Dent (laughs) is a character in Batman. You're going to make a Batman reference to a guy named Matt Harvey. It should be Two-Face. Yeah. Well, he he was was the good guy. He was the savior of Gotham City, Chris. Sure, then call him Harvey Dent. (laughs) Uh, The gentleman you were referring to is... I think you understand the movie, Chris. He was a good guy for most of it. Chris is rooting for the wrong guy. He's rooting for Two-Face. Uh, that's Dustin Knight, reliever for the Baltimore Orioles, by the way. Uh, do you like any of these Dustin guys? Knight. <laughs> for, do you like any of these guys for Wednesday? Joe Ross and Tyler Anderson are the only ones I would start. I like Anderson, too, against the Rangers. Any love? Yeah, I like Joe Ross the most of them. Quantrill versus the A's? Not ready yet? Not a good enough matchup. All right. Team name Tuesday. These are from Ben, and two of them, the first two, are wrestling-related. Diamond Dallas Keuchel. Love it. It's yep. Badoo Day. Yes, it is. Also great there. Not wrestling. Oh, okay. okay, I get it. You watch wrestling, Chris? I, I'm aware of... I, I've, you know... I'm on Twitter. All right. Yeah. yeah I don't know how you... You kind of dip around in everything. You you know something about best, everything. A couple of my best friends, our favorite bar in South, in South Florida was a wrestling-themed bar. Oh, so, my buddy has showed me pictures of that place. Union Beer Store. If you're ever down there, go down to Calle Ocho, go to Union Beer Store. Excellent bar. They've got <laughs> WWE playing all the time and usually horror movies on the other TV. It's That's great. awesome. This one's not wrestling related. Heeny, meeny, minor, mo. Yep. And it'll probably be at least a few years until you can use this one. His name is Robert Poisson. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, yes, Robert Paulson, by the way, is uh, th- there's there's like a, a well-known voice actor named Robert Paulson. Do you know this? Like, I, I don't know if, if that's what the Fight Club character's name was based on, but Raphael from the original Ninja Turtles series is voiced by Robert Paulson. Yeah, I was going to ask Frank, do you know what that's a reference to? No idea. Fight. No, you know, you've seen that movie. Oh, I've seen Fight Club, but I've only yeah. I saw it once maybe a decade ago, so I don't remember you Anything don't remember Meatloaf? Nope. It was Robert Paulson. <laughs> Gotta rewatch it. Oh, Paulson. Someone yeah. emailed in, by the Frank way. doesn't know who Meatloaf is. They let me know that <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off is currently on Netflix, so I will I will be watching it soon. From Larry... the worst friend of all time. Ferris Bueller is a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> From Larry on Apple Podcast Review, who told you to put the boom in? Boom on. Who told you to put the boom on? Uh, I don't get that one. I don't get it either. You, I mean, I rely on you guys for this. If you don't know it, then there's no way that <laughs> I, I don't know. know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and this one's from Scott on Twitter. And the request is that Scott, you, uh, Chris, you have to sing this one. So I, you sent me, sent it to me and I, I didn't click the song. Oh, I, it's, I think I remember it. It's sober by tool. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I just, I haven't heard that song in a long time. So I'm not sure if I know the melody. I, I think you should sing it. I, I think it goes like this. I was surprised that I actually knew the song. Why must we not okay, yeah, stream that's, that's, yeah. over? Yeah. 
I, okay, I, I, that's what I was thinking it was, but I, I didn't want to make a fool of myself. It's like the only Tool song that I know. I mean, I'm sure they have great music. You don't know Lateralis? I might know it if I heard it. Great bass line? But that's a good song. I, I like Sober. All right, why Robert must we not stream Ober? Bailey Ober, yeah, you probably don't want to stream him. <laughs> Robert Paulson was also the voice of Pinky and Pinky and the Brain. Oh, classic. Fun fact. All right, well, this was supposed oh. to be a short podcast with only four games on the slate, and somehow we went long. For Chris and Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Brain. <laughs> but me and Peppy Lom's talking. What would the children look like? Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.